Hey guys, welcome to Unwatchable. My name is Chloe Rodriguez and I am your host. Um, this is the first ever mini-sode of the Unwatchable podcast. Essentially how this is going to work is usually this show is me and a guest and we talk for about an hour and a half. Um, but in these minisodes, it's just going to be me. And I'm going to make these whenever I feel like I have seen something that I really want to talk about, something that you know I want to get out while things are still fresh. And today I'm talking about a new Netflix show called Living With Yourself. I thought it might be pertinent to make a mini-sode of this because it is a new series and I kind of wanted to just get started with it right out of the gate before it becomes old news. So that's why I thought I'd hop on and do this mini-sode for you. So I'm just going to start off with a review of Living With Yourself. And once I kind of start to get into spoiler territory, I will let you guys know. I'll kind of try to start off with minimal spoilers and then end with specifics that might get into spoiler territory. And I will let you guys know so that if you want to watch it completely unspoiled, you'll be able to just kind of cut it off there and you won't have to worry about getting spoilers from me. I will also leave a timestamp down below to tell you when those spoilers start. Um, Living With Yourself is a new show on Netflix. Um, I believe that it's categorized as a comedy, but I would say it's more of a dramedy, to be honest. Um, It's about a half an hour in length per episode. And I'll go ahead and read you guys the synopsis. This is readily available online, so it doesn't really constitute a spoiler. Um, Living With Yourself follows the story of a man who... After undergoing a mysterious treatment that promises him the allure of a better life, discovers that he has been replaced by a cloned version of himself. That's right, you guys. This is essentially a show that answers the question, what would you do if you had a clone? There is eight episodes in this first season. They were short enough that I was able to watch the entire thing from start to finish in one day. Uh, I watched it yesterday, so I'm a pretty fresh on it, and I can give you kind of my honest review. So this was created by Timothy Greenberg. He is best known for being the executive producer of The Daily Show. And as far as I can tell, you know, he is a writer and producer, but this is the first big thing that he has created. Um, And it really only has two top cast members as top billing. And that is Aisling B. and, of course, Paul Rudd. Now, if you guys are not a fan of Paul Rudd, and honestly, I've never met anyone who does not like him. I don't understand what would be unlikable about him, but if you guys don't like Paul Rudd, this is definitely not the show for you, because it is a lot of Paul Rudd. Hey guys, it's editing Chloe, and I just wanted to say that I say Paul Rudd a lot in this, so if you want to play a game, you can take a shot every time I say Paul Rudd, because you might be dead by the end of this podcast, because I say Paul Rudd all the time, and that includes right now, so take another shot. It is all Paul Rudd all the time. He plays himself and a cloned version of himself, so if you don't want to see Paul Rudd, talking to Paul Rudd for eight episodes, essentially like four hours of Paul Rudd just talking to himself, then this is definitely not the show for you. 
That being said, there are other castmates. Uh, Desmond Borghese is in this, Alia Shawkat from Arrested Development, but pretty much Paul Rudd takes up like every single scene, and the only other person who kind of equates him as far as importance to the story would be his wife, who is played by Aisling B. Now, let's jump into what I personally liked about this show, what kept me hooked throughout it, um, because I did sit down and pretty much binge it all throughout one day. Um, I did like that there is a consistent voice throughout this show. The sole writing credit is held by the creator and showrunner, Timothy Greenberg. He is the only person credited for writing all eight of these episodes, and it really shows that you're getting one consistent voice throughout the entire season. It almost feels like this is a movie that has been chopped up into eight little sections. Altogether, the running time for this season is about four hours, maybe four hours and some change. So it is feasible that if they had trimmed some of it, it could have made a feature-length movie. I think the reason that it works better as a series is just because you kind of get to have some of that wish fulfillment that you couldn't really get if you were trying to shorten this for a feature length. And what I mean by wish fulfillment is there are moments in this series where you kind of just get to explore what it would be like to have a cloned version of yourself. There's things that, granted, If you wanted to have them in a movie, you could have shortened them and still gotten the point across. But because it's a series, you're able to lengthen them and go into more detail. And you kind of give the audience more of that like, "Ooh, what would I do in this situation? You kind of give them more insight into that. I like that it has one uniform voice. I really like that, you know, nothing kind of seems out of place because it is obviously from one mind one writer, I think that's pretty special and unique. And I haven't seen one writer build for an entire series by themselves in a very long time. So to me, that worked very well. Um, Another thing that worked well to me was Paul Rudd. I mean, I I personally love Paul Rudd. I don't know anyone who doesn't, but (laughs) I personally thought he did a really good job of this because he is playing two parts and he's essentially playing two different versions of the same man. And it's very obvious just by looking at him who is the clone and who is not the clone, just by how they act, their posture, the way that they are relating to life. You don't really have to be told who is who. Um, and I think that's also that, that also is some credit to the production of this show, is the way that they're costumed. You can clearly tell them apart the way that you know, something even as simple as his hair. His hair is a dead giveaway as to who is the clone and who is not because they are dressing the clone and the real person based off of their attitude. And attitude is a big part of this show because, you know, the whole premise is that he gets a clone who is a better version of himself. And that clone naturally, as a better version of himself, has a better attitude. So you're kind of seeing the cheerier version of someone versus kind of the burned out version of someone. And that is made clear from the the styling of them by the way that Paul Rudd carries himself. Um, I think that is very interesting. And I mean, I, I do have to just naturally give a shout out to the editors because I'm sure, you know, 
editing two Paul Rudds in the same frame for almost every scene of this series, I'm sure, was complicated and very tiring. So I would say overall the direction, the writing, and just the design of this show, it works very well. I think the thing that doesn't work as well for me is just the fact that because there is a smaller cast, things can start to get a little bit tiring. To be honest, seeing Paul Rudd and Paul Rudd and Aisling B, essentially the main three people in every single scene, over the course of, you know, four hours and some change, it does start to get a little bit grating. You do kind of start to wish for some variety for, you know, maybe another person to kind of come into the mix. I mean, there are other characters, but it is mainly those three people, which is really just two people. And that can, you know, kind of get a little tiring, can make it a little bit less interesting I do think if there is a season two, I would like to see more people interacting with Paul Rudd and his clone and kind of seeing their takeaway of things. It does get a little bit like, okay, we've seen we've seen this dynamic before. I kind of want something new. And that's the real thing that drags this series for me in the middle is you know, you're kind of waiting for something more to happen and it takes a while for shit to kind of hit the fan and for things to really heat up after the initial discovery of the clone. There are some really funny parts of this show. There's some really funny lines. I would say, you know, it is a comedy, but it's not really like a laugh out loud kind of, you know, eccentric kind of comedy. As as weird as that sounds, because you would think that a show about cloning with such an interesting topic would be a little bit... uh, you know, off the wall, maybe a little bit over the top, but it's really not. It's actually very grounded in reality and its humor is very grounded in reality. Um, So I think I personally wish that there had been some funnier moments that I don't think we're necessarily taking advantage of. I just think if you're looking for something that's, you know, laugh out loud, you know, eccentric, effervescent comedy, I don't think that's what you're going to get from this. You're going to get a comedy that's very much grounded in reality, as crazy as that sounds, because the concept is very out there. I would say the first three episodes, two or three episodes, are really where the concept of what would you do if you had a clone, that's where it's really taken advantage of. And the thing that I do like is... I think sometimes when you have a series that's based in, you know, some kind of weird sci-fi experience, a lot of times the world is not set up correctly. And I do like that there is a complete explanation for why this clone is here, how it happened. There's an explanation for exactly how that works. The world is built within the first two to three episodes, and I think that's what makes it the most interesting part of the show. Um, It does dip a little bit in the middle. I would say episodes maybe four through four, five, and six, maybe. It kind of dips. But once you get to those last two episodes, it kind of picks right up again. So I I will say that the very beginning and the very end are definitely the strength of this series. But, you know, it is so short that it's not like you're having to 
like trudge through anything just to get to the end. It's very quick. And even those episodes that don't quite land as well, they're still very interesting and I, I still recommend them. So overall, as a whole, I would recommend watching this show. It's very quick. It's very fun, um, definitely interesting, has its funny moments. I think it's a very well-made piece of television. Is it the greatest Netflix series I've ever seen? Is it a shining example of what we can do in the streaming era? I wouldn't necessarily say that, um, but I do think it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you're a big Paul Rudd fan like I am. Um, so I would definitely recommend sitting down, opening up your Netflix account, watching some living with yourself it's very quick to get through it's great if you like paul rudd you get to see a lot of him and um i it is a fun time i i think especially if you're interested in the concept of cloning um i definitely think it's something to check out so i personally would recommend this show so now i'm kind of going to switch over and get into some more specifics that might spoil some things for you guys. So if you're not interested in hearing spoilers or you want to watch this show completely unspoiled, um, thank you so much for listening. Please give this a review. Let me know what you think. Follow this on Instagram at Unwatchable with Chloe Rodriguez. I will see you next time. And for everyone who is interested in getting more into detail, maybe you've seen the show before and you kind of wanted to hear you know, if anyone agrees with you on specific topics, keep on listening and we'll get into that right now. All right, so switching over to some more specific things about the show. A specific part of the first three episodes that I wanted to talk about is, so Miles goes to the spa. He's supposed to be completely rejuvenated. He wakes up in the forest, buried, supposed to be dead wakes up goes home and finds out that he's been cloned and his cloned isn't his cloned his clone is now at his home and they don't really know what to do now that there's two versions of the of himself this is unprecedented i gotta say they did touch on it in the first three episodes the clone is so nice and so positive and just like over the top in love with miles life and Miles' first instinct is to get back to his life and let the clone travel the world? Heck no. Like, if that was me, I'd be like, bitch, you like this shit? You like going to work? You like dealing with housework? You like dealing with all this stuff? Great. You should do it. I'm going to the Bahamas. Like, I wouldn't be the one to stay. I would make my clone stay. He wants to do it. So I I think that was the part that was like... I guess they did talk about it, and it seemed like he didn't really want to go, but that would be my first instinct. I'd be like, are you telling me that I could have a vacation right now, and no one would know about it, and I would just get to live free and not go into work? Hell yeah, bitch. Like, I would totally take advantage of that. So that was the only part where I was like, dude, you're not taking full advantage of your clone here. Um, let's see. What, what else is there to say about this that constitutes a spoiler. Um, If you guys have seen this already, I got to talk about the ending. So throughout the whole series, he's essentially trying to figure out how he's going to live his life, knowing that there is a better version of himself, this cloned, better, quote unquote, new Miles, who is, is so much better than him in every way. His attitude, he hasn't 
dealt with the past 40 years of stress. And so it hasn't weighed on him. He hasn't gotten burned out. He is looking at life like a newborn child who everything is incredible to him. You see that in the first, I think it's the second episode, you see that in the scene where he's coming home and he's sticking his head out the window and he pulls over and he runs through the cornfield. And it's like everything is brand new to this guy, you know? Um, Which I think is, is funny. They're essentially saying that the better version of you is the version who has not been weighed down by life. It's the version of you who can see life through new eyes, who's not jaded, who sees the beauty of your life for what it is. And because, you know, they do share the same memories as you, but because they haven't had to live it, they're not induced with the weight of it. And that's the main difference between Miles and his clone is that, yes, they have the same memories, but Miles has had to live it and he's had the effects of it. And that's made him bitter. That's made him burned out. That's made him a grouch. Whereas this new Miles, since he hasn't had to live through those things, he can look at his life objectively and be like, this is awesome. I have a great job. I've won awards. My wife is amazing. Like, we're going to have a family, blah, blah, blah. I think that's, you know, a cool concept and a cool spin on, like, the clone thing that we haven't really seen is getting into the mind of the clone as, like, what what makes him so much better? What is the main difference between these two people? The main struggle throughout this series is that Obviously, they are both in love with Kate. They're both in love with their wife, especially New Miles. It's still his wife, technically. He has all the memories of her. He sees her for as beautiful and smart and talented as she is. He doesn't have that history of fights and arguments with her. He remembers them, but he doesn't feel them. And so he can see her in a way that, you know, kind of sets her above from how regular Miles sees her. He, he, New Miles is not dealing with the impact of their fraying relationship. And so I think it's interesting that they, they obviously are both in love with the same woman and they're both the same guy, but they can't both have her. And I think the interesting thing is you're kind of rooting for her to be with the clone. You're like, he's much better. He appreciates her. She's happier with him. And when they do explore that concept, when they finally do get together, as much as he appreciates her, as much as he is the better version of Miles, she doesn't want that because it wouldn't seem real. She wants to fix things with the older, broken version of Miles because to her, that's the actual marriage. We see her throughout this series as a fighter, as a determined person. She moves to a whole new country. She starts a business. You know, she's been trying to get pregnant. She goes for the things that she wants. And to someone like her, just starting fresh with a clone, with a better version of the person that she used to love, that's not, that's not a success to her. That's the easy way out. And so she can't bring herself to love this new version of Miles the way that she can love the old version because that wouldn't be a fight, you know? That wouldn't be going out and saving a marriage and working for it. That would just be the easy way out. And that's really not Kate's style of what we've learned about her as a character. That just doesn't seem true to herself. And so I think it's very interesting that we do explore that plot line of them getting together, of her choosing the clone over the original Miles and then finding 
that she just can't relate to him in the same way. They don't have the same history and she can't pretend. So I think it's really heartwarming that she does end up deciding to go back to her, you know, her original quote unquote husband, to the regular Miles over new Miles, the clone. I, I think that's actually really heartwarming. And it's funny because you're rooting for her to be with this clone kind of the whole time because he's the one who appreciates her. And when she makes that realization, I know that's when I made the realization. I was like, huh. I, as the viewer, never really thought about it that way. So it was interesting to me to see it taken in a direction that I wasn't really expecting. Throughout the whole series, I was like, oh my God, one of these clones just needs to die. And it's not that I didn't love the character. It was just that maybe it's that the science was freaking me out. Like, if I had a clone, I'd be like, dude, fucking, we got to kill it. Because this is some crazy sci-fi shit that I'm not down for. I'm not into those futuristic things. I think robots are going to take over the planet and we're all going to die. And science is just going to be the end of us. The point is, it's dangerous to get into cloning, okay? So if there was a clone of me, I would instantly be like, I'm not uh, an aggressive, violent person, but that bitch needs to die. And I kind of thought that's how the series was going to end. So in that epic battle scene, the last part of, of the very last episode, where Miles and New Miles are kind of duking it out, they're kind of fighting for who's actually going to, you know, be the one Miles to rule them all. I think it's interesting that it ends with them, you know, Miles thinks that he has killed his clone. It gets to the point where he basically pummels New Miles into unconsciousness, and then he has that moment where he freaks out and he's like, oh shit, I didn't actually want to kill you. Which is interesting to me. He's so... He hates this version of himself so much. He's so jealous. He's so... He feels so gypped. He feels like, I, I didn't want this clone and now I have to watch a better version of myself walking around, sleeping with my wife, being better at work. What the fuck? I thought it was interesting that he did have that moment of remorse. And I think if you look at regular Miles' transformation throughout the season, it, was, it would have been very easy to have a dark ending where his jealousy kind of takes over and it does end in a murder. And it ends with either him killing the clone or the clone overpowering him and taking over. Um, but instead he decides, you know what? I want to become like that clone. I want to become the better version of myself. He reconciles with his wife. When we do finish that fight scene where he thinks he's killed his clone and he resuscitates him and they both agree to just have a truce right then and there and then we get Kate coming in and announcing that she's finally pregnant and she's not sure whose baby it is and in that moment it doesn't really matter because they're just all so thrilled. Um, I think it's very interesting that they chose to end this on such an optimistic note. And it's a note that definitely, I think if, I think they are setting themselves up for a second season and that would be very interesting to see. Um, but I also think that it could just be a satisfying ending if it doesn't get picked up for season two. I feel like I would be okay with where it ended because you're like, okay, you're leaving something to be desired. I, as an audience member, can kind of determine where I think things went after that. But it doesn't end on like a bad note. And it doesn't end, it ends on a cliffhanger, but an uplifting one. It doesn't leave you on a cliffhanger where you're like, oh my God, if I don't find out what happens in the next season, I'm gonna go crazy. I think it was a very satisfying ending and something 
that, you know, from point A, scene one of episode one, I didn't imagine that it would end the way it did in the last scene of episode eight. I mean, it got a lot deeper than I thought it was going to. It, it's not really about the cloning. It's about the marriage. And it's about the attitude of this man choosing to appreciate his life more um, by seeing what his potential is, by seeing what he could be through watching this clone who lives his life so much better than he does. Um, so if you guys have seen the show and you want to talk about it, um, feel free to DM me at Unwatchable with Chloe Rodriguez on Instagram. I'd love to go further into it with you guys. Um, feel free to, you know, comment in the, re- the reviews, uh, what you thought about it. And let me know what you guys think about this kind of more off the cuff review style. Um, I definitely want to keep doing this every so often. I just get really fired up about a particular show or comedy special or a movie. And I just kind of want to rant and talk about it and rave about it. And so I didn't really come into this with specific notes like I would usually. I just kind of decided to turn on the mic and start talking. And if that's something you like, let me know, because I could do a lot more of these. And I have a lot of topics that I'd love to talk about that don't really necessitate having a guest. So if this is something you like, uh, let me know and I can make more minisodes in the future. Highly recommend going and checking out Living With Yourself on Netflix. Give it a try. Let me know what you think about it. And um, I will see you guys next time in the next episode of Unwatchable on Wednesday, October 30th, the day before Halloween. I will be releasing my Hocus Pocus episode where I sit down with my friend Sean Rivas someone who has watched Hocus Pocus over 150 times. I have seen it once, and we kind of go through what my first experience was like. Um, So be sure to check that out. Our Halloween special is coming up. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys next time on Unwatchable.